We've been talking about, in a bigger picture, about the kingdom of God advancing. Let's pray first. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you to uh, lead us in truth. We need you to make adjustments. Lord, our gathering and looking at your word is not just that we'll be inspired or comforted, but that we'd actually be transformed and changed. And so we say, Holy Spirit, will you do that? Whether it needs to be change in us. In Jesus' name. So we've been talking about the big picture, the kingdom of God advancing in the world. Jesus spoke more about the kingdom than about any other subject. The very first thing he preached uh, was the, king, the gospel of the kingdom. After his resurrection, he talked about the kingdom. Uh, he talked a lot about the kingdom, about 10 times more about the kingdom than about salvation. And so sometimes we miss that. Why did he talk so much about the kingdom? Because they're so different. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world are so different that we actually have to be uh, something supernatural take place so that we can actually understand what the kingdom is about. Uh, and so he also talked then about the, the need that we have for a supernatural leading and empowering of the spirit if we're going to live in this kingdom. Uh, then as we were talking, we began to see in Acts, this has all been a series that we started in, in Acts, that as the church began to gather, as people began to get saved, as this kingdom began to expand, Matthew 13 talks about the kingdom of God like a seed that is small, but it's hidden, and then it grows, and it becomes a huge tree. The kingdom has been advancing and impacting the world. But as that ha began to happen, and people got saved, and be they began to meet together, it was the birth of the church. And in the very beginning in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit establishes certain culture, certain, certain values that are to be part of the church. Cultures meaning like yeast in bread or whatever the culture is in yogurt. It is. It's something. It's whatever the culture is in, in yogurt. Cultures are things that are transmitted one to another. It's not something that is just put over the top. It's something so... When we talk about cultures, these, these are things that the church wanted in every believer. I mean, the Holy Spirit wanted in every believer in the church. So if they continued to, as the church expanded into the nations, these things would expand with us. As, uh, as we get away from that, the church becomes something different than what was intended. Uh, Matthew 18, sorry, 16, 18, Jesus said, I'll build my church which is interesting. He didn't say, I want a church, go make something. <laughs> Whatever is a good idea on your part. He said, no, I'll build my church. His concept was that the, he had a pattern. This is how he wants the church to be built because it represents something of him. Interestingly enough, it's the only thing in the Bible that I see that's, that Jesus is building. Don't say he's in, making intercession for us. But it's the only thing he's building. He's building his church. Uh, but in the process of doing that, he obviously has a pattern. And that's what we've been looking at. Some of those ingredients established in the uh, early church. We've talked to them as cultures. There's five in Acts 2 that we looked at. Uh, the first one being growth. Not the church growing, but us as individuals growing. It's a commitment to grow in the word and the spirit. That we never quit. We never give up, that we continue to grow. We continue to be changed. We continue to be transformed to the image of Christ. 
So there's something of an intentionality on our part that we do that. I preached on that uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, on that Sunday, I handed out some little notebooks so that you could record what the, the Spirit was saying to you, what you were getting out of the Word. Some of you didn't get those because we ran out. There are some on the table. If you didn't get one, please take one. They're a gift to you. Then you can record. Some of you, uh, because we ran out, gave yours back so someone else could have it. And uh, what happened is that when we picked them up from Officeworks, they didn't give us all of them. You need a whole lot, Ben. <laughs> so, a commitment to growth, to growing in the Word and the Spirit, with a focus on obedience, not just information. Something happened that discipleship changed from being come and do what I'm doing to come and believe what I'm saying. And it became information focused rather than obedience focused. And so there's something of our desire to grow that says, God, speak to me by your word and let me do it. Okay, we're to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Most of you have heard. Because if we're hearers only, we get deceived. We deceive ourselves. And so we don't want to do that. The second culture was gifts, which is a commitment to participate. We all are priests. We all minister. And we have gifts. These are all on the... uh, podcasts on the archive. You can go back and look at them if you missed them. Third was generosity, a commitment to kingdom finances. And today we're going to cover the last two today because I've got tired of this. No. <laughs> because I want to, want to get them in. Ben told me beforehand, this is getting a bit stale. No. Uh, uh, yeah, we're going to cover both of them. And the last two are gatherings and grace. So in Acts 2, from verse 42 again, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. And fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Two cultures we want to talk about. Culture number four in this series is gatherings. It says they met in the temple, which is together, and they met house to house, which is small groups. Uh, There's something about that. Now, It seems almost redundant to even say that because the very word church in the Greek means a gathering of people, an assembly of people. It's not a church if people aren't gathering. But there's something that has happened in many people's thinking that says, well, just me and Jesus is all that's important. Just me and Jesus. I don't need anyone else. Yet he has this idea that somehow... We need to get together, not only in a large group, but in small groups. And we're going to talk about that. So that's, that's what they did. So obviously, they, when we get together in a larger group, there's certain things that happen. One is worship. Does that mean you can't worship alone? No, you can. You can worship by yourself. You can worship in a small group. But there's something that happens 
when people get together and there is a, a synergy, there's a releasing of something of the anointing of God and the presence of God that happens when we get together. Uh, what is worship? It's really just delighting in the presence of God. In case you haven't picked that up, if you haven't been here for a while, our goal as we worship is the presence of God. It's not excellence, though that helps. But, but, but that's not the, the main goal. It's not entertainment. It's these guys assisting all of us as worshipers to enter his presence. And so that, that's uh, part of the goal. But the other thing uh, that takes place as we gather is instruction in the word. It says uh, of the apostles that they raised up leaders so they could devote themselves to prayer and the word. And why is that? It's so that uh, Judges 17.6 doesn't take place. In Judges 17.6 it said, every man did what was right in his own eyes. There was no leadership. And so there's something of saying, hey, what does the word say? And so that we're on the same page. And so there's growing in that. So they met together, but they also met in small groups. And so there's something that happens. There's something of fellowship. And if you remember, I said that that word in the Greek means partnership. It means a building together. There's something of that that only takes place when you're face-to-face with people. Okay? It doesn't happen when you're looking at the back of someone's head or at some hulky, built, solid angel with a lightsaber. No. (laughs) Sorry. I I, I want you to know that, that I take the word very seriously in that I often don't sleep on Saturday night as I'm going through it, but but you wouldn't believe that when I actually get up here, would you? <laughs> I don't take anything that seriously. Uh, there's something about meeting together, small groups. In fact, you know, there's, there's 41 and others in the New Testament. 41 and others. Encourage one another, comfort one another, love one another, uh, instruct one another, pray for one another. There's 40 of those that only happen when we meet together. Uh, on Wednesday, we have a small group that meets in our home. Some folks come, and we often will pray. We spend some time praying for the equip. Had a tremendous uh, just releasing of different uh, revelation and prophetic words and different things, but then we ended up praying for one another. And there's something when the manifestations of the Spirit are released in that context. There are a few people who have an opportunity to share something on Sunday, but not everyone. Well, let me tell you, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't. It just means that we can't get it all done in one meeting. And that's why there's more than one. Uh, Small groups is not only that fellowship and partnership, but it's prayer. Prayer is a ministry of all the saints. And so there's something of that that we get to do as we partner with one another and pray for one another. We do it a little bit on... Sunday mornings, but it's also something that is done in smaller groups. And so uh, there's a reason why the Holy Spirit adds that, that they were actually gathered together. Uh, One of the things that we have to understand, too, about the Word of God, God doesn't actually say, hey, pick the parts you like and throw out the rest. I like the big gatherings because I don't have to 
talk to people. I don't like small groups. Or the other side, I like small groups. I don't like big groups of people. If we're going to be the church that Jesus is building, then we're going to do both. Okay, the church isn't an organization. The church is people. You're the church. Okay, culture number five. Grace. And the Lord added to the church those who are being saved. Who's the church that the Lord adds people to? It's us. Church isn't an organization. It isn't a meeting. It isn't a leadership team. It's people. And so so there's something of God's heart of adding people to people. Why do I call it grace? Because if we know Jesus, we've received his grace. If you know Jesus, you know something of the grace of God. Something of the undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor where God does it for us and we're the recipients. Something that we call amazing. Do any of you know that, some of you would know the origins of that song, which is probably the... uh, the most popular hymn or the most known hymn in uh, Western world, Amazing Grace. Uh, John Newton, who was the writer of that, got saved later in life. Before he got saved, he was a ship's captain and a slave trader. Ended up in a storm, about to run aground, and cried out, God, have mercy on me. And God saved him. But not just saved him from the storm. Saved him from everything he'd done. And when he writes, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. See, in our sensitivity training these days, a lot of people have changed that to from a wretch to someone. Save, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved someone like me. But John Newton knew he was a wretch. He was a slave trader. Yet the grace of God was big enough for him. When we come to Jesus, we experience that. But then we're called to live in that grace, not only for ourselves, but for others. And that's the point I want to make this morning on grace, is that do we continue to have God fill us with grace for other people? A grace that reaches out beyond our comfort and a grace that receives the people that Jesus would add. See, when Jesus, when it says, and Jesus added to the church, he's adding to us. But there's got to be something in our heart that says there's room for him to add. There's grace for him to add. The wonderful thing about grace is that he actually can give it to us if we ask for it. But there's something that says there's enough space, there's room. My mom uh, used to listen to gospel music when I was a kid. Every day when I got home from school, I'd do my homework on the kitchen table, and she'd have this gospel music, so I know all the old songs, I know all the hymns. Uh, Those of you who are old might have remembered the uh, Bill Gaither trio, good old Bill Gaither, I had a song, there's plenty of room in the family. 
Room for the young and the old. Plenty of happiness, plenty of love, plenty of room in the fold. Another song, there's room at the cross, says though millions have come, there's still room for one. There's something of God's heart for his church that never becomes full. Not talking about how many numbers can fit in a place. Talking about a heart. If you've ever said, oh no, we're full, no space. then maybe you've grown comfortable. If you've said, I don't have grace for them, then you misrepresent Jesus because the word says his grace is sufficient. Uh, They're different. I don't have grace for them. What happens is that you've just closed the number that God can add. Friend of ours, uh, Terry Barr, Steve and Terry had been have been here, and they lead a church, or they did in in California. And Terry used to have a a wonderful illustration. I'm going to get you for Kate, you instead of Tim. Sit, stand here in a little huddle, Christy. Okay, these guys are talking, and I, my friend uh, Terry used to use the term pivot. When you have a group, there has to be a pivot. So see, somebody walks up. And somebody has got to pivot and and make a space. Not that way, turkey. (laughs) Wrong pivot. But but there's something of saying, hey, there's room. Join us. There's something of saying our group can get bigger. It's not just a physical thing when you're talking, though it is. Many of you have experienced that. But it's also a heart thing. There's room. See, it's very easy for us to become very happy with our friends, very comfortable with people that we've known for a long time. And it's a whole lot easier to just stay with them than to make room for somebody else. Yet if we're going to be the church that Jesus is building, there's got to be something in our heart that says, hey, there's room. There's room for us. There's grace. Grace not just for me, but grace for others. We can't say, I like the comfort of my group. I like the comfort of those I know. These other people, they're they're different. I'm not sure about them. There's got to be something of grace in our hearts that says that there's more room. Steve Brown preached last year about going to the other side. And there's people on the other side. There's a grace that says the kingdom is not complete as long as there's those who don't know. There's grace that says my comfort is not the goal. It's the advancement of the kingdom. It's Jesus receiving glory. It's grace that says we can release people who are going in God to other places. But we can receive people who God's adding to us. So there's a grace to reach out and a grace to receive. Why am I saying this this morning? I actually don't think that that's a problem for us as a church. But I've learned 
that it's a very subtle thing that can creep in, that we get comfortable with what we have. Someone asked me uh, a couple years ago, how big will you let this church get? And my response was, well, I have nothing to do with that. But who wants to be the person at the door telling people that they can't come? Who wants to be the person that says, there's not room in this family? There's not room at the cross. There's got to be something in our heart. Otherwise, something else creeps in. The uh, story of the prodigal, the son who takes all the inheritance and spins it and comes back. He's been living with feeding the the pigs. Any of you, if you have any contact, I had a friend who who ran a a pig farm and... uh, his biggest problem was that he's, pigs stink. And, but he would pick up that smell. And uh, I mean, it was very, a very difficult thing. But here comes this son who comes back and he smells like pigs. I remember say, well, he's not quite ready yet. Go clean first. Change your behavior first. Wait, if you'd only act this way. If you'd only dress like this, if you'd only do this. And and we start adding things that Jesus didn't add to us. And subtly, we become the older brother who says, hey, there's not room. Would you bow your head? Why am I sharing this? I'm not looking around as I share this and say, oh, he's got a problem with this. She's got a problem with this. I don't see that at all. But I know the ploy of the enemy. If he can't stop us from worshiping Jesus, what he'll do is everything he can to stop us from welcoming others to worship Jesus. And we just need to be aware and set our heart if there's any of that, we just repent. Repent is just admit it and quit it. If any of that's crept in, there's people that you don't necessarily like. The problem is when Jesus adds people, there's all kinds of people. All kinds of gifts. A pastor friend of mine once said, church would be easy if there were no people involved. That's why it needs grace. That's why it needs something supernatural. Holy Spirit, right now, we just ask that you would pour grace into us. As individuals, as a church, that you would pour your grace. Lord, that we recognize the grace you've had for us, but that we'd live in that grace. For other people in the church, in the body, but for other people who aren't yet added. Lord, just as you said, there's room for me. I want to say there's room for every single one that you'd add. And so we just open our hearts where there's anything else that you would root it out. And that the culture that we pass to one another is a culture of grace, not a culture of religious legalism.
an open door and not a closed door. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your supernatural grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? I told you last week that I have you stand at the end because I found out that if I dismiss you and you're not standing, nobody ever leaves. <laughs> not that we're trying to get rid of you quickly, but uh, we, wonderful. Uh, appreciate the, the worship team this morning and the different contributions, the presence of God. My desire is that we're so empowered and filled with God as we gather that we carry that same presence and that same supernatural as we leave. Ministry doesn't just take place here. It takes place everywhere we go. You're ministers of the kingdom. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your empowering. Would you empower us now as we go and carrying your presence to a hurting world? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you'd like someone to pray with you, there'd be some folks here who'd love to pray with you. Uh, if you need someone to stand with you for healing, guys, we'll do that. Otherwise, God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.